lot going on today. <laughs> Whoa. And I think you'll find this program to be very informative and entertaining at the same time. A lot to tell you about. So uh, this morning, uh, President Trump and Joe Biden found out that the debate for next week, scheduled for Miami on Thursday, is now a virtual debate, which means they're not going to be there in person. They're not going to be on the same stage. So right away, uh, Donald Trump calls into Fox Business, Maria Bortiromo. He likes her. He doesn't like, I guess he likes Fox and Friends, but, it, you know, he's this way on Fox News Channel. But anyway, he says, I'm not, I'm not showing up to that. Uh, that's ridiculous. And it is. Because uh, if you do a virtual debate, you can have people there telling you what to say, giving you tips, writing a script for you. How's anybody going to know? Are they going to have debate officials looking in your window? I don't even know if there are any windows in Joe Biden's basement. So, I, you know, why bother? Don't even bother. So what should have happened is that the debate should have been postponed like the National Football League does with their games. All right, so the two quarterback, one quarterback is COVID, the other doesn't, the other's afraid, I guess, I don't know. Um, and you should have waited, and you should have consulted with both campaigns. How disrespectful is this? That this commission out of nowhere says, well, this is what we're going to do. So Trump's not going to show up. And everybody's, oh, Trump's not going to show up. Um, and I think that it may hurt him not showing up, but I'd do the same thing. I would. I'm not going to do that. That's, a, that's ridiculous. Now, I think there'll be a compromise on this. I think they'll come to some kind of agreement. Um, if the president tests negative next Monday or Tuesday, um, there's no reason he can't go. But a little shield. I think they had shields last night in the VP debate. I mean, maybe put barbed wire on top of the shields, so plexiglass, and maybe a couple of German shepherds to make sure nobody crosses. Um, and uh, you can do it that way, right? I mean, there's no problem last night with the VPs. They were far away from each other. They had the plexiglass. They weren't breathing on each other, any of that. So I think it'll be worked out. Um, you want to hear Trump? Should I play the Trump soundbite? All right, go ahead. Go. I felt I beat him easily. I think he felt it, too. He wouldn't answer any questions, and he had the uh, protection of Chris Wallace all night long. It was just, I, thought he, I thought Chris Wallace was a disaster. But I beat him in the first debate. At the second debate, we have a never-Trumper as a host. But that's okay, because I beat him in the second debate also. And, uh, but I'm not going to so, do a virtual debate. All right. So Donald Trump thinks he won the first debate. Sure. I mean, he's entitled to his opinion. And, you know. But let's put it this way. Uh, none of the polls, the public polls, which are bogus, the internal polling, which is not, uh, show the president improved his position after the first debate. And that's a fact. Now, what about last night? What about last night? So I did the live tweeting. I hope you were there for that. It was uh, entertaining. We have about three and a half million Twitter followers now. It's a little big army out there. Um, and uh, I, uh, I have mixed feelings about the first half of the debate. I didn't think anybody really stood out, uh, but then it turned. So let's walk through it. The first thing that struck me was that Kamala Harris, every time she answered a question, it was about her. 
me, Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, me. Every time Vice President Pence answered a question, it was about Donald Trump, not about him. I didn't hear Pence ever say anything about him, himself. So the ego, and me being a person with a big ego, I, I'm tuned into this. The ego was crazy imbalance. I mean, Kamala is like, oh, I'm Kamala. Don't you talk to me like that. Don't you lecture me. And it's Pence talking about Trump. Okay, number one. Number two, the demeanor. All right, so Pence, totally opposite President Trump. He's not a showman. He's not charismatic. But he was very methodical and very uh, credible. Knew what he was talking about. Not a lot of stammering. All right. Presented himself pretty well. He was respectful. I mean, he ran through the stop signs, but that's what they're all going to do. Um, Senator Harris was immature. All right. So let me show you first what I'm talking about, and then we'll get into it a little bit deeper. Go. Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes. It's really remarkable to think. Susan. I mean, right after a time where we're going through a pandemic that lost 22 million jobs at the height to give direct payments to families, which you were one of the original co-sponsors of in the United States Senate. They want to abolish fossil fuels and ban fracking. Uh, you see the shaking of the head, the phony smile, the condescending at Don't you hate that? I do. Just sit there, lady, and listen to him. You want to rebut him? Fine. But the truth is that everybody on this planet with an IQ over 80 knows if you win and Joe Biden wins, everyone's taxes are going up. Everybody. Because the federal government will start to tax everything, not just income. Okay, they have to. To pay for the Green New Deal. To pay for all of the social programs that you were promised. Free college. Free daycare. Have to. All right. There aren't enough people earning more than $400,000 a year to finance a tenth of what you have promised. So everybody knows you're going to raise taxes. Okay, so Frank Luntz, you know him, right? So he does these little uh, focus groups of unaligned voters, whatever, okay? And here's what he said right after the debate. Go. But the complaint about about, uh, Kamala Harris was that she was abrasive and condescending. The complaint about Mike Pence was that he was too tired, but vice presidential or presidential. If this is a battle over style and substance, which is often the case with undecided voters because they simply do not choose on policy, they also choose on persona. This was Mike Pence's night. And that's true. People vote not only on their own self-interest and the economy and COVID or but there's, there's a, they formulate a view, and this hurt in President Trump. So women particularly think that he's a barbarian, all right, that he's boorish. Well, here now we have uh, a woman who's disrespectful all day long, condescending is the right word, um, and that's going to stick. That's going to stick. So when you couple the, and we'll get into the policy in a moment, the dubious policy that the Biden-Harris ticket is proposing with that demeanor, very hard for 
Kamala Harris to win. Anybody that says she won that debate last night is not being honest. Okay. So next soundbite is um, there were a couple of misstatements last night. I, I'm not going to run all of them to you. You expect that. Um, but one on fracking was pretty egregious. All right. So let's run the one October 7th. That was yesterday on the debate stage. Go. So first of all, I will repeat and the American people know that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. That is a fact. Hmm. Okay, well, here's what she said in a town hall meeting, Kamala Harris. Go. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. So, yeah, and, 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 starting, and starting with what we can do on day one around public lands, right? Okay, so look, she said Joe Biden will not ban. All right. So maybe it wasn't a direct lie, but she's giving herself all this wiggle room that she doesn't deserve. I believe that Joe Biden will wipe out the fossil fuel industry in this country because he has to. All right. Cortez and, and, and the others, the global warming people, be all over him. All right. The next one is um, the law and order. Now, she got hurt on this one, but not for what you think. I mean, Kamala Harris is soft on law and order, even though at one time she was a fairly aggressive prosecutor in California. That's true. All right. But now she's not. And, and I'll prove that in a while. But she used this law and order issue, which is very, very important. All right. She used it in a very interesting way. Go. I will not sit here and be lectured by the vice president on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. Again, I will not be lectured by the vice president on our record of what we have done in terms of law enforcement and keeping our communities safe. <laughs> I will not be lectured. How dare you lecture me? How dare you question my record? You see? So you couple that with the split screen arrogance on the facial and, and that it's like, do you really want to have lunch with this woman? Now, full disclosure, I don't like her. I don't know her. I've never met her. But after what she did to Brett Kavanaugh, I couldn't possibly like her. She tried to destroy him and his family, his wife and two daughters, on nothing. He had nothing. Okay? And then she said she believed the woman who accused Joe Biden of doing a very bad thing. Remember that? Oh, I believe that one. But as soon as Biden picked her for VP, oh, I didn't believe her anymore. So to me, and I evaluate people on a number of levels, but if you are a phony, I'm not going to like you. I like genuine people, real people. All right? That woman? Never. So you should know that in my analysis. I don't like Now, as you know, I uh, don't have any use for the corporate media in America. I believe it's corrupt across the board. I think I've proven my case beyond any reasonable doubt. But here's another example. So you remember earlier this week, um, Lester Holt, the anchorman for the NBC Nightly News, had a town hall with Joe Biden. At that town hall, two men appeared to ask questions. 
One was a lawyer named Peter Gonzalez, all right? And the other was a marketing executive named Ishmael Ilano. All right, they asked questions of the vice president. Now, Lesser Holt told the audience that they were undecided voters, undecided. However, a little investigation reveals that on MSNBC, both men appeared with the caption, Gonzalez, Republican for Biden, and Ilano, Independent for Biden. Okay? So what NBC News did is they took two anti-Trump people from MSNBC, trucked them on over to NBC, and put them on under a different title. Now, I can't believe Lester Holt knew that. I pray that he did not. I worked with Lester at Channel 2 in New York, WCBS. I have a lot of respect for Lester. I hope he wasn't in on that con. But this is just unbelievable what's happening here in this country. This is NBC News, Huntley Brinkley. It's owned by the Comcast Corporation, which is centered in Philadelphia. And now you're putting a fix in on a town hall meeting with a presidential candidate? That's what you're doing, NBC? And you're stupid enough to take people from MSNBC that you've already branded pro-Biden voters and then tell the people watching the town hall that they're undecided? I mean, this is just, I, I can't tell you how dishonest. This is just fraud. And this is happening at all the networks and all the cables. I can tell you. All right, so, and, and here's another example. So President Trump stopped the negotiation uh, on the COVID stimulus package. And he got hammered by the press. Okay. Now, when I saw this, I knew there was a reason, and it didn't take me more than five minutes to find out the reason. So let me walk you through this. So the Democrats won $2.2 trillion in COVID stimulus. The Republicans have countered with $1.6 trillion, both enormous amounts of money. I mean, it doesn't mean anything to us now because we're used to hearing $30 trillion, $25 trillion. But this is an enormous amount of money. Within the 2.2 trillion, Nancy Pelosi has 436 billion for places like Portland, Oregon, Seattle, New York City, chaotic towns that through their own fault are falling apart. So that means that taxpayers in Texas and Florida, in Kansas and North Dakota, everywhere, will be paying for the incompetency of San Francisco, New York, Portland, Seattle, and other towns. So the president goes, no, we're not going to do that. The reason these towns are in trouble is because they mismanaged corruption and everything else. We're not going to bail them out. And then, as part of that bill, Pelosi wants $600 given to people as a jobless benefit until January. That takes them out of the workplace. They're not going to make $600 a week, most of them. They're going to just sit, sit by and do nothing. Republicans want 400 
But the final nail is in this bill. And nobody knows this. You're hearing it here because we're an honest broadcast. But nobody knows this. Pelosi sneaks in three voting things. All right? So in the National Voter Registration Act right now, the federal government requires the last four digits of your Social Security number in order for you to register to vote. That's what it requires. Pelosi said, no, we don't want that. We don't want anything. No proof of citizenship, nothing. That's number one. Number two, Pelosi wants 15 days mandatory in every state for early voting. The states are supposed to make their own schedules. So she wants the federal government to start tell the states what they can and can't do. And finally, she wants votes counted 10 days after the election, if postmarked by Election Day. Federal mandates. The states run the elections. Each state has different standards. Some states are corrupt. Some states are straight. Pelosi wants to stack the deck in favor of corruption. Because if you don't have to provide your last four digits of Social Security number, you could be here illegally and vote. Who's going who's gonna to know? But that's what Pelosi wants. So this is in the bill. This is in the COVID stimulus bill. What's it doing in there? Now, have you heard that anywhere? No. The Associated Press, all right? The National Press Organization. Oh, this is going to hurt Trump. He doesn't want to get money to the people suffering from COVID. Oh, no. Any of this in there, Associated Press? You lazy, corrupt people? All right, let's bring in uh, Rick Wilson. Uh, he is um, a member of the Lincoln Project. That's Republicans who don't like President Trump want him out. He is the co-host of the New Abnormal podcast. Um, he worked in 1988 presidential campaign for Bush the Elder. He was an advisor to Rudy Giuliani in New York City. Um, and Rick is a Republican, but has no use for Donald Trump. So I asked Rick to read my column, uh, which is posted on BillOReilly.com, entitled um, President Trump RIP with a question mark. And in the column, I go over the thing, if Joe Biden is elected, what will happen, especially if the Democrats get control of the Senate and House, what will happen to this country? And it's, it's kind of intense. So, Rick, what do you think of the column? Well, Bill, look, I have a slightly contrary view to that. I think the first two years or so of Joe Biden's administration will be marked by the fact that we have to get this country out of the ditch that it has been in for the last nine or ten months based on the economic and social and, and humanitarian damage that COVID has done to this country. I also think that it's important to remember that Joe Biden is not Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden is not AOC. Joe Biden is a procedural center-left Democrat in an older tradition of the Democratic Party in this country that is much more uh, bipartisan, that is much less you know, fanatical than, than the image that a lot of people would like to portray. But I do think the first couple of years are going to be marked by a recovery period where his intensity and his focus is not going to be on the Green New Deal. It's going to be on getting COVID rectified, dealing with the, with the, the, the sweeping damage that's happened in the society and the economy based on a pandemic that has been grotesquely mismanaged. All right. So if you go to Joe Biden's website, 
and you read what his plan to combat COVID is, he doesn't have anything specific. Listen to science. That's what he has. If you look at the world, if you look at the world, COVID's making a comeback everywhere. Great Britain, France, India, uh, just today, Germany announced a resurgence of COVID. So to me, I don't know what Joe Biden would do differently. Maybe you do and you can tell me. Because I go to his website and I say, okay, Joe, how are you going to combat this virus? And there's nothing there but listen to the science. Well, I mean, that would be a big start, Bill. I mean, we have had well, a president. Well, I mean, what science? You want to line up researchers? You want to get Pfizer? You want to get Moderna? Who, who do you want to get in there to listen to? Well, look, this is a president who put people like Mike, uh, Michael Caputo into the HHS uh, who have no background in science. He's a guy who is sidelined. But, but, Joe, but, but Rick, I don't want to get a micro. You know more about this than I do. I, I'm as American now, not as a commentator. I want to know what Joe Biden's going to do differently than what Donald Trump has done. And I can't figure it out after one debate and go into Biden's website. I don't know what he's going to do differently. Well, look, he's going to assemble a team of people around him. Assemble a team. Who are driven, Joe, who are driven, who are driven. Joe Joe Biden's not going to pretend he's an expert on on the virus, but he's going to go after, after a group of people who are going to be experts, who are going to have a depth of knowledge in this. And they're going to take recommendations from them. Look, Jim, but, but shouldn't he uh, know uh, what those recommendations are now? Shouldn't he know what his little team is is going to purport? Look, they're going to be you know, you're voting on a hope. You're voting, Rick, if you vote for Joe Biden, you're voting on a hope. You're hoping that he doesn't spend trillions on the Green New Deal, that he doesn't raise taxes in the middle of a quasi-recession. You're hoping. He hasn't said any of that. He hasn't said what he'll do about anything. That's my fear. And I don't think he's running a party. I don't think he's running the Democratic Party. It's a referendum on Donald Trump. Full stop. Okay. People are going to make up their minds whether they want four more years of Donald Trump or not. All right. That's true. And that's fine. That's true. It's a referendum on Donald Trump. But there are consequences if you reject Donald Trump. Then you're getting a man, you're getting a man who has no plans. He has no plans. Look, under the Obama eight-year economy, which Biden says that he ran, under the Obama eight-year economy, okay, wages went up 5%. Under the three years of Trump, wages went up 9%. Okay, so... And we juiced the Federal Reserve with trillions of new debt to get there. And That's you think Biden's going to play down the debt? The, but the, look, the debt under Donald Trump has increased much faster rate than it decreased under Barack Obama. And get this, Bill, when Barack Obama was president, I was critical of the debt and the spending. Donald Trump has accelerated that and ramped it up through the sky. This is not a fiscally responsible president. So if you're going to argue don't you believe that the economy was beneficial to you and me and to every other American before COVID? Wouldn't you say that I agree? I hate spending, but wasn't the economy beneficial to most Americans? Because we were accumulating a gigantic amount of debt because we were juicing the Federal Reserve and we've been doing it since Obama and Trump just took it and did it further. That is an artificial sugar high. It may be a long lasting sugar high, but it is something we are going to pay a terrible price. Money in people's pockets. All right. Um, What about Michelle Obama? You just heard Michelle Obama. You like her? Do you know her? 
I don't know her personally. Okay. I, I like her. Uh, I mean, in the interactions I've had with her, uh, I'd be good. But when you hear something like that, and when you see the Democratic convention, you're a Republican, and you made a nice living for many years slashing the Democrats. So you, you, you look at their convention, and there's four days in a keynote speech by Biden that not one time was any of the protests mentioned, any of the rising violence in the major cities that it mentioned. Not one time did they mention it. Are you confident that this party will confront the unbelievable rise in violence in America? Are you confident that would happen? In fact, the, 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 the protests have largely been peaceful. This idea that American I just gave you the are, stats. This, are you rejecting idea, the stats I just gave you? It's fallacious, Bill. There are people in, in, in a few square block area in Portland that get, that get over the top. There are it's, people that have one or two nights. And listen, Bill, no one, including Joe Biden, who has condemned violence, who has condemned rioting, who has condemned looting very clearly and very plainly, no one is out there. There is no pro-violence demo inside this country. There isn't. Okay. Look, it, you saw and heard in last week's debate, Joe Biden say the authorities in Oregon can control this. Are you blanking kidding me? It's more than 100 days. No, and and Biden this- says the authorities in Oregon can control it. Wait, all I'm asking you, Rick, is as a thinking person, you're a smart guy. Doesn't that bother you a little bit? Look, they can control it. And the solution, Bill, is not to apply federal force in states in a way that is that is directed by the White House. That is something that as a conservative, I find the expansion of state police power and the use of state police power by the federal government to be something that could be in the most extraordinary so circumstances. you're willing to watch a Portland, Oregon be destroyed from top to bottom? And when you see Kenosha and the governor there did, at President Trump's suggestion, call the guard in, stopped it cold, so Kenosha still stands, but Seattle and Portland don't, and you're okay Seattle, with that? Portland Damn, Bill. Trust me. Trust me. I've been in Seattle recently. It was not the radioactive Mad Max hellscape you think it is. It is a thriving, vital city. There is not a giant area. The whole panic about the Chaz was about a block and a half area that was there for that, that was that was that had some some protesters in it for a couple of days. This is this country, Bill, is largely stable. It is largely peaceful. It is largely quiet. The Look, things you that live, you're trying you to live portray, in Florida, you live in Florida and I live in New York. And I know that New York City is the most violent in my lifetime. I see it every day. My friend Rick Moranis was just punched in the face by a stranger. And the police tell me it happens a dozen times a day. Chicago, the stats speak for themselves. So I have one more question for you. Aren't you a Democrat now? You're not really a Republican anymore. I mean, to, to say that Portland can handle it, that Oregon can handle it, that's all Democrat. That's what they believe. Republicans don't believe that. So, and there's no problem if you've shifted over. I mean, you've got to go by your conscience. But aren't you a Bill, Democrat now? That's before you, listen, I am, I, am, I am a believer in the rule of law. I'm a believer in the Constitution. I'm a believer in the Tenth Amendment, which we all used to be in favor of, which said that anything that wasn't a direct federal responsibility redounded to the states. I believe that the, that the use of federal police power should be tightly constrained. 
I believe the use of executive power should be tightly constrained. These are the same positions I had during Barack Obama that I now have during Donald Trump. The fact that Donald Trump is a man who believes in expansive authoritarian power by the executive is something that I find objectionable as a conservative. All right, but here's what I don't understand, and I'm a simple man, as you know. You work for perhaps the most authoritarian mayor in the history of this country, Rudy Giuliani. You worked for him for years and advised him. How could Mm -hmm. you work for that kind of an authoritarian presence and now decry the authoritarian presence of Donald Trump? Because the authoritarian nature of the presidency under Donald Trump is a constitutional crisis. Rudy was a locally elected mayor. He was locally elected to address a specific problem in New York at that time. Now, if Bill de Blasio or whoever the next mayor of New York is going to be doesn't take on crime, there will be a response to it by the voters. But that is not the federal government's responsibility, in my view, as a conservative, to go into the cities and say, I'm going to manage the, the way a municipality governs. Now, what if there is a president, say, Kamala Harris someday, who says, I don't like the way that Huntsville, Alabama is running things, and I'm going to go in there and, and seize all the guns. I mean, the, the, these things you don't want to break institutional norms. You don't want to break the constitutional boundaries where states and localities should have their control and the federal government should has, have its. That, to me, Bill, is where a conservative decides that you have to call BS right. on Donald Trump. By, but Trump by didn't do that. He didn't send them in. Um, he sent some federal marshals in to protect federal property. He absolutely is right to do that in Portland. But he wasn't asked in. But I'll tell you what. Portland and Oregon are done. And they're local people. And, and for Michelle Obama to say, oh, it's just a little, little thing. When it's record-breaking, there have never, even in the height of the Vietnam War protests, Nothing like what happened after Floyd. And for her to get on there and diminish it frightens you had, me. You had entire sections of Washington burned to the ground. And in Portland right now, there is about a two-block area where this goes on. The whole night. city okay. is done. I, I, used to is, work, I, I know people there. I used to work there. There isn't a business that making any I, money in Portland, Oregon. It's all shot, it, all finished. I did not notice the pall of smoke rising over the city. It was, a, it was pretty peaceful and some good restaurants. So. All right. All right. Look, spirited debate as we like, uh, Rick, and we really appreciate you coming on. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. All right. California is a beautiful state. How many times have I said that? Been to every county in California. Love California. So now Governor Newsom says when you're at a restaurant and some restaurants are open, 25 percent of capacity, whatever, in between mouthfuls of food, you got to put your mask back on. (laughs) So now this mask comes from China. The China mask. Anyway, you got to put, you got. I'm sorry, Governor Newsom. I'm not doing it. All right. I'm not doing it. Number one, it's unhygienic. Okay. So I'm chewing. I got to get the mask on. I'll chew the mask. I might swallow the mask and die. This is how insane the far left is. So Newsom, He's just doing this to screw with you, all right? Because he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll. It's incredible. I don't know how you eat a Big Mac with the mask on. I, 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 how, do you, how do you do that? Or the Whopper would be all over you. You think I'm making this up? I'm not making it up.
I'm not making it up. Here's a tweet. Here's a tweet. Quote, this is from Newsom. Going out to eat with members of your household this weekend? Don't forget to keep your mask in between bites. <laughs> All right, grand jury in St. Louis. Indicted. Mike, Mark, and Patricia McCluskey, they were the couple who came out of their house with guns when Black Lives Matter broke the gate to their private road and marched on in. They own the guns legally. They're being charged with illegally brandishing firearms. The insane district attorney, Kimberly Gardner, funded by George Soros, brought this case to a grand jury and they're indicted. This is what they call political prosecution. This happens in Cuba, in Russia, in Nazi Germany. This is political prosecution. There's no case here. They have the right to come out with legal firearms and protect their home. They have the right to do that. Now, the governor of the state is going to file a brief to throw this out and the attorney general of Missouri. And it will be thrown out. But this is using your power as a district attorney to persecute someone because of political beliefs. No doubt about it. This is what George Soros wants. He gave this loopy DA, he gave her $116,000 for her campaign. You don't see the danger, Kamala, Joe? Huh? You don't see the danger coming? Associated Press, let's get back to the AP. They have a style book. When I was at Boston University taking journalism courses, we had that style book. And this is what you're supposed to do. All right, the AP puts a book out every year. So the new style book says you can't use the word riot. Riot is gone because that word is stigmatizing. So you can't, if there's a riot, you can't call it a riot. You can't because it's stigmatizing. Here's a quote from the AP. Ready? Focusing on rioting and property destruction rather than underlying grievance has been used in the past to stigmatize broad swaths of people protesting against lynching, police brutality, or for racial justice, unquote. So the AP says, don't use riot, use unrest. Unrest, not riot. Corrupt press, no doubt it is. You all know that. That's why you're watching me. That's why you come here. Corrupt press, right there, combined with far-left violators of constitutional rights. Corrupt press, violators of constitutional rights. You see what's happening? There's a convergence coming. Every one of us will suffer because there's nothing we can do about the corrupt press. There's nothing we can do about Comcast or Disney. We can't do anything about that. And the prosecutors are elected. AP. Eddie Van Halen, dead at 65. Um, Big smoker, big drinker, throat cancer. You know, legendary guitarist, obviously, if you follow Van Halen over the years. Um, 
Very uh, sad situation. 65 now is young. Used to be if you were 65 year old. Not anymore. So anyway, uh, we uh, our condolences to the Van Halen um, family. The um, lesson here is don't smoke. Please don't smoke. And if you drink a lot, your liver is going to give out. So those are not things you want to do. NBA. Nobody watching the uh, playoffs. L.A. Lakers, Miami Heat. I couldn't care less, and I'm a basketball fan. Not watching. Okay? So, NBA's taking it right between the eyes, just like the National Football League is. How? People aren't buying their stuff. Their jerseys, their hats, their sneakers, not buying it. Why? Well, in the NBA case, it's because of LeBron James, the superstar L.A. Laker forward. Mr. James has become a far-left guy, an arrogant guy on politics. Tremendous athlete, I mean, no doubt about it. But even as good as he is, nobody's watching him. You're not going to watch that. Why are we going to watch that? All right? So the commissioner of the NBA, who's frightened to death of LeBron James, is named Adam Silver. Here's what he says. Go. I would say in terms of the messages you see on our court, on the jerseys, this was an extraordinary moment in time mm-hmm. when, we, when we began the discussions with the players and what we all lived through this summer. My sense is there'll be somewhat of a return to normalcy, that those messager, messages will largely be left to be delivered off the floor. Yeah, I think so. So you're not going to see the Black Lives Matter on the jerseys next year. Because now the bottom line being impacted. And I said this about the National Football League as well. You guys playing in these leagues, your salaries coming down. Big time. All right. Coming down because the teams are not making nearly as much money as they used to make because people are angry about all this far left activism on the field and on the court. It's very simple. So Silver sees it. He's still frightened of the players and the football National Football League. They're frightened of the players, too. Seventy percent of all NFL players are black. All right. But when it comes down to money, Then things change. Then they change. All right, let's get to the mail, Jim. And you can reach me at Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill.com. Forget COVID, the economy, and all the rest. This election is about one thing. It is about the political structure of the USA and the Constitution that shaped it. That's right, Jim. You're absolutely right. Phil, concierge member. Thank you, Phil. Bill, Mike Pence did not help Trump out tonight. Missed too many opportunities to confront Harris on liberal left radical positions. Uh, Jason, Mike Pence destroyed Harris. She was terrible. No way she's qualified to be vice president. Bonnie Stevens, Everett Washington. I think one reason Donald Trump rates low for many suburban women is that we have tried to teach our children not to make fun of other people or call them names. And the president does that. Ronald Wilson, Big Timber, Montana. Bill, I decided that getting mad watching the VP debate wasn't worth it, so I decided to read Killing Crazy Horse. Yes. All right. That was a good use of your time, Ronald, in Big Timber, Montana. Beautiful place. Donald McKeough, Coral Springs, Florida. Mr. O'Reilly, you should not be surprised that NBC News would present two pro-Biden voters and label them as undecided voters. The arrogance of the perfidious press, word of the day. 
is just beyond the pale and has been for quite a while. I agree. It's very corrupt. I wouldn't call it perfidious. I just call it corrupt. Justin Awoke, San Diego. Great commentary on Twitter. It was helpful to get your view of the performance of the candidates. Live time Twitter. Uh, if you missed it, we have it on the message of the day on BillOReilly.com. Uh, Dirk Kieselman, Rapid City, uh, South Dakota. Really like what you said about your father and saving money. Uh, my dad, uh, when I asked him for an allowance, his response was, I already give you an allowance. I allow you to put your legs under the dinner table. <laughs> Good line by your dad, Dirk. Uh, Catherine, Killing Crazy Horse is an astonishing story of history. I had no idea. Killing Crazy Horse going great. Please check it out. And here's a very, very good tip for you. Christmas is coming and the geese are getting fat. If you become a lifetime concierge or premium member at BillOReilly.com, you get all nine killing books. So that gives you all those gift opportunities, plus you get the membership. This is the greatest deal we've ever had. Nine books free. I don't know what else I can do. You want a signed book for Christmas? I'll do them. Get those orders in now, please. And all of the Stand Up for America stuff. This hat, if you buy three killing books, get the hat free. Okay? The mug is the best mug in the world. Best mug in the world. Here it is. Stand Up for Your Country. So please go to BillOReilly.com over the weekend and get some good gifts. Right back with the final thought. Okay, final thought of the day is don't waste money. I grew up in a very frugal home, to say the least, and I knew that. And from 10 years old, I started making my own money, cut lawn, shoveled snow. When I got a little older, I babysat, okay? And uh, I didn't ask my parents for any money because they weren't going to give it to me. <laughs> and if I wanted good humor or bungalow bar or Judy Ann, I had my own money. And I didn't waste it. And then my father said, put 10% of whatever you earn away. And I always have. And that was the best piece of parental advice I ever got. Don't waste money. Even if you have it, okay, don't waste it. You worked hard for it. Unless you're Richie Rich or somebody who inherited it. And I didn't inherit a dime. Okay? Um, don't waste it. Don't buy frivolous, dopey things. Don't go to places that overcharge you. Don't let somebody rip you off. Always know what you're doing. Comparison shop. Get three estimates for any household thing you have to do. Don't waste money. Money is going to become more scarce in America. If the Democrats win, they're going to take a lot more of your money. They're going to raise taxes everywhere for everything. That's going to happen. So what you have, don't hoard it, but don't waste it. And try to invest wisely, but conservatively. Money gives you freedom and options. We'll see you tomorrow.